There we go. What awesome songs this evening that go right along with what tonight's message is going to be all about. We're going to talk about we're going to talk about faith, and we're going to talk about salvation. And I know all of you have a good understanding of your own salvation, but it's important for us sometimes to just really dig in a little deeper into what all that means. We can never hear about what the Lord has done for us too much or too often. So tonight's message is called The Question of Faith. And so I'm going to start by asking you, have you ever been in a place where you just felt a little lost? Have you been in a place where you were questioning yourself more than you were questioning God? Have you been in that place where you said, where are you, Lord? Is it me? What's going on with me, Lord? Do I have enough faith? Maybe you've even wondered at some point in time if you're really saved. Sometimes in really desperate moments, we can feel those types of things and if you've ever felt that and you know about your salvation, you could say, you know, I learned about grace. And Lord, your word says that grace is undeserved favor towards me, something that I don't really even deserve, but that you've given it to me. But something must be really wrong here, Lord, because I sure am not feeling favored lately. I don't feel favored. If you've ever wondered any of those kinds of things, or in your own private time with the Lord even said those kinds of things to him, or maybe you wouldn't even want to do that. You would just kind of secretly be thinking them, hoping that God himself wouldn't see your thoughts. <clears throat> that you could hide them from him, which we know we can't. <laughs> But if you've been in any of those places, just know that you're definitely not alone. And that we're, we're called to seek his answers. He doesn't mind us questioning him. We can seek out his, the answers to any questions that we, we have. And we can remember, though, that a lot of it is, is that God's ways are not our ways. Because a lot of times, we approach things in our carnality. And God doesn't approach things that way. So he's always going to do things a little bit differently, oftentimes in anything that we can expect. There's been many times in my own life when I've questioned God, uh, where's your answer, Lord? I've been seeking you faithfully. Lord, where are you? Why aren't you answering me, Lord? I need you right now, Lord. I need to feel your presence. And maybe I don't feel him. Where's your answer, Lord? Is my faith too weak? Are you even hearing my prayer? God heard my prayers every one of those times. Sometimes I think he doesn't answer us. 
because uh, we really don't deserve it sometimes. We never really deserve it. But he heard my prayers every other every one of the times that I've cried out to him. And he said to me, oh, I've heard you. I've heard you. But what I want you to do is you need to examine yourself. You need to go to that person. And you need to apologize for what you did. For how you spoke. Oh, and by the way, you better mean it. <laughs> right? Amen. <laughs> say you're sorry. We all need to learn to say we're sorry sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it might be something about like not showing someone enough love. And I think we all get to that place. But I know I have where I realized that somebody needed a little extra love and I just didn't provide it. And I even knew it, and I still didn't provide it. And God will call you out. He'll call you out. He called me out. On more than one occasion, he's called me out. Maybe I haven't shown enough mercy to someone. The same kind of mercy that I always want God to give me. Amen. And I just haven't shown it to someone else. Or maybe it's even something like uh, favoritism, where he'll say to me, oh, that was very nice. That was very nice what you did. But do you do that same kind of thing for everyone? Or just certain people? So he calls us out, but when he calls us out, and he's done every single one of those specific things to me, every one of them, and I'm kind of ashamed to say it, but you know, it's the truth. So, Amen. when he calls us out, he expects us to listen, and he expects us to correct it. According to Galatians 5, 6, this, that scripture says that what is important is that our faith is expressing itself in love. And we're going to talk tonight about faith, like I said, and we're going to talk about salvation, but we must have that foundation of love. Love is foundational. God's love for us is what allows us to have that strength and ability to love others, and it is the foundation of how we're able to love others. And that has to be the basis, the foundation for everything that we do. But remember that God's love does not give anyone a pass when they do wrong things, like what I just mentioned. Amen. But what God always does do is he offers us reconciliation. God. Always, 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 he offers us reconciliation when we've done wrong. And he says to us, Examine yourself. See yourself. Take a look in the mirror. Instead of looking at everyone else first or even saying, where are you, God? Examine yourself. Look in that mirror and see what's really going on. Be honest with yourself. We all need to do that. Mm. Amen. Fun times, right? <laughs> Fun times. It's not easy, but it's always, always worth it when we could see what could be hindering us, what could be hindering our walk with God. 
And guess what? He's always, always, always willing to show it to us. So now we're going to take a journey with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to take a look at salvation and faith. And uh, make sure I didn't skip a slide. Nope. We'll look closely at salvation because when we look at our entrance, our salvation, our entrance into God's kingdom, we could see what faith is really supposed to be all about. It starts right there for each and every one of us who knows him. So we need to really make sure we press in and take a look at that faith during our salvation. Because that's going to be the basis, again, a foundation for how God deals with us and grows our faith throughout our entire walk with him. You're going to know how, God, how faith operates, how it's supposed to operate by just looking at how he handles us during our salvation. When we use the word faith, it's going to help us so, so, so much. If in front of that word faith, we'll put two words. In God. Two words. In God. Faith in God. If we can always use that word faith, and even if you in your quiet of your mind say, in God, it's going to get you where you need to really be. It all is in God. Our faith in God. He's, we need to always be believing God. Where he tells us that we can stir up our faith in God. And it's not by straining. It's not by straining, ooh, I'm going to muster up enough faith now, God. Ooh, I'm going to pray really, really hard, and I'm going to have enough faith. No, that's not what he's telling us. We grow our faith. We increase our faith. We stir up our faith by doing the very thing we did here tonight, for one, wasn't your faith stirred up a little bit as you sang and praised God? As you joined together as a body of believers in fellowship, praising God together? It builds us up. It yes. stirs up our relationship. It builds up our faith. We also build ourselves up through all kinds of worship that we do in groups or in Bible studies or at home alone, when we're reading the Bible, when we're just spending time in his presence, praying to him, soaking up who he is and what he wants us to know and to learn and grow in. So all of those things are important, and that's how it happens. That's how our faith continues. That's how it grows. That's how it's increased, by spending time in his presence. And he does the work. But we have to be there. We have to enjoy. Hey, you know, it's a fun ride. We get to enjoy it. We get to enjoy learning new things in his word. Joy, enjoy one another. Enjoy the fellowship. Enjoy the praise. And he stirs up and builds our faith. It's not something we have to try to strain at doing. It's through being in his presence. And we can be in his presence in every one of those ways. In God-centered faith, I put up this overhead. There's three things that work together. Faith and grace and righteousness. Faith and grace and righteousness work together in our faith walk. 
They're a team. There's a chain there that just can't be broken between the three. And you're going to see them as we talk about salvation. We know that God's grace, his divine favor, his goodwill and loving kindness, the Old Testament grace is loving kindness. But on top of that grace that we always talk about when we talk about coming to saving faith, God also gifts us and he gives us enough faith. He gives us enough faith to actively respond with a confidence in the love that he has for us. It's the faith that allows us to respond to the grace that he's offering. When we respond, then there's a third gift that God gives us. When we respond to that grace that he's, he's given, to the, to the faith that he's built up in you that allows you to respond, the gift, then also there's righteousness. And that's another gift. He gives you the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Oh, my. The righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. Right standing before him. That's what he gives us. The righteousness of Jesus. God desires each and every one of us to walk morally and ethically true to his character. To his character. Not to your boss's character. Not to your pastor's character. Morally and ethically true to God's character. That's what he desires us to do. We cannot bring glory to God because we're all to bring glory to God. We know that, right? We can't bring glory to God if his righteousness is not in us, if we remain dead in our trespasses. Ephesians 2.4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he's loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So what does dead in trespasses mean? Hardened hearts, focused on sin, unable to have fellowship with God. That's what a hardened heart and being dead in trespasses does. Yet God, as he said, out of his great love, made salvation possible and he made that possible by the work that jesus christ did on the cross it's the price that only he could pay it's the price that only he could pay the cross had to happen it had to it had to happen because although god is rich in mercy and everybody wants to go merciful merciful god is so merciful God is a righteous God. And his grace, faith, and righteousness work together. And it works together to bring us to a place of growing to be more like him. That's what he wants. That this is the starting place, and then we grow, and we grow. And as we're growing, we're growing in his righteousness. We're growing in his character. We're becoming more and more like him. God's established the right actions, righteousness, the right actions, and he's declared what is good versus what is evil. God has declared that. 
not some man, not what anyone in today's government and world is trying to tell you. God has declared what is right. God has declared what is good. And God has said what is evil. Right actions reflect his character, his righteous character. He described himself, and I put it up here, Exodus 34, 6. This is what God said about himself. And the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty. What he's saying is that the unrepentant will not be cleared of their guilt. So when someone tries to tell you they don't need to repent, the unrepentant, right here he's telling us, will not be cleared of their guilt. Those who refuse this amazing gift that God that God so graciously has provided. Those who refuse to turn from their sin and turn to him, they will have rejected the only, the only provision that's been made. There's no other provision God's loving character includes the righteousness and the justice. So we have to realize that love doesn't mean never correcting us. That's why I started with correction. Love means that his loving character is going to include righteousness and justice. Throughout scripture, God has made it clear what he considers right. All through the Bible, he's telling us what he declares and, and tells us is right. Rebellion against the righteousness of God is sin. Sin declares us guilty. Sin separates us from relationship with our God. And not only that, the price that anyone who chooses that path pays is death. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin, the wages, the earnings of sin is death. But you know what? <laughs> gratefully, gratefully, gratefully for every one of us sitting here that that scripture doesn't end there. For yeah. though the wages of sin is death, the gift of God, the way for the guilty to be cleared is the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ, the shedding of his blood as the final and only acceptable blood sacrifice that will ever be needed for sin. No other blood sacrifice will ever be needed. And I'm going to say this, if you call yourself a Christian, 
and you say that there is any other way to God, any other way, other than through Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made and through his blood, then you are leading people astray. Amen. And you will be harmed by that yourself. There's one way. And that way is Jesus Christ. His name, his Hebrew name is Yahshua HaMashiach. Salvation, Messiah is his name. Amen. Our own Jesus Christ, the Lord. The door through which every person, all of mankind, must pass in order to be saved. There is no other way. Amen. He provided it. Why do people think that they deserve to have many ways? Why? We don't deserve any of it. The fact that he provided even one way, even one way, Oh, we should be such a grateful group of people. All who recognize their rebellion against God and all who repent and turn to submit their lives, submit their lives to the authority and the lordship of Christ, to them, God offers adoption. Adoption as sons and daughters. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. To them, he gives them right standing. All who do this will be covered by the work that Jesus did on the cross for us. And that righteousness of God, the righteous justice that God said he demands, that righteous justice is met through what he did, and he gives it to us. He just gives it to us as a gift, as a gift right there. God extends with that gift when we accept him fellowship. He gives us peace, and of course, eternal life is opened up before us into his kingdom. Romans 6.23 does say that the wages of sin is but it does say also that the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ Jesus, the eternal sacrifice, our Lord, our high priest, meets all the required justice of God for us. We don't have to do anything. He meets all the required justice of God for us. It's so wonderful. It's so wonderful. But guess what? He doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop right there. Not only has God made the way for us to have right standing with God, Christ made that way for us to have right standing, but everyone's also given enough faith right then and there at the very beginning to receive him. That means that no one is left out of God's kingdom except Howard. By their own choice by their own choice because he gives us everything we need in order to accept him through faith as small as a mustard seed we've heard these messages before we can enter into 
God's amazing grace. And there, in his presence, we can gain that right standing before the Father. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. You see, before that, you have no peace with God. And we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Ephesians 2.8 is a scripture that most of us know very well. 8 and 9. Ephesians 2.8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We do all the unrighteous things that deserve death, all of them, and God's merciful love does everything needed to save us, to save us from ourselves. Jesus made the way for us that all people would have an opportunity to see themselves as they truly are. To turn from sin, to receive righteousness from the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of this happens by grace, by his favor that we don't deserve. By his grace you have been saved. But then Ephesians 2.8 doesn't end there. It says, by grace you've been saved through faith. And faith is what I want us to really focus on. Faith to grab hold of the loving kindness that God has extended towards us. Man cannot boast. We have no reason to boast because the grace is gifted. The faith is gifted. Man can only boast in God alone. And that's what he wants us to be. That our only boast can be in him. For what an incredible work he's done for us. To lower himself, that our Lord Jesus Christ lowered himself. We don't think about that enough. To make it possible for us to enter in to this great relationship that he allows us to have with our maker. With the maker of all. That we might become the righteousness of God? How is that even possible? See, again, we we question God so many times, but how can we even understand that? We have to accept what he's telling us about the righteousness by faith, too. But he's given us the faith to believe it. He's gifted it to us. So faith is like a muscle. You know, you work the muscle. Faith is something that we step out into, and we walk by faith. We walk by faith. And I... I don't know if I need to flip to this next one or not. There we go, yes, walk by faith. You know, faith requires action. So if we believe God is who he says he is, if we believe the sacrifice that he made, if we believe the scriptures, then we must act. And that's where a lot of people drop the ball. They want to sit back and they just want everything to just come to them. But that's why the Lord says that we build our relationship with him. Faith is an action word. It's not something that you just sit back in and like, oh, 
I believe, I believe. We don't sit around going, well, I believe, I believe. We don't just do that because guess what? Even demons believe. Even Satan believes because he knows. He believes. But faith is an action word. You work your muscle. Faith is meant to be acted upon. And as we work a muscle and it gets stronger, as you walk and your legs get stronger, faith gets stronger as we operate in it, as we walk it out. That's how our faith increases. That's how our faith grows. That's how it gets, gets strong enough for us to do incredible things that we never thought we would be able to do when God asks us to do them. As long as we're in these bodies, we can walk with confidence. We can walk with confidence as long as we're in these bodies with faith in God and knowing that he will be obedient to operate in us any and everything he asks us to do. The gifts of the Spirit. He gave those to us. He didn't give us those to just look at them and read them in a book. He gave those to us in the Bible so that we could see them. We could say, what are these, Lord? And he could go, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what you what they are. Let's get out there and let's act upon them. 2 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7 says, so we are always confident. Are you always confident? Knowing that while you're at home in the body, you're absent from the Lord. For we walk, we walk, we walk, we walk by faith, not by sight. We don't just read it, we walk it out. We will place the love of God if we if we really have felt it, if we've known him and we've sensed his love. We will place the love of God and the love of others as our standard, as a banner that goes before us. And we'll see God and we'll see the love of God and the love of others as what we're walking out there to follow, to do, to accomplish. Love God, love others. That will be our banner. That will be our standard. Romans 12 speaks of the measure of faith in accordance with the various gifts and the workings that are given to individual believers. The measure of gift of faith is what he gives us in order to operate in those gifts. But guess what? We don't have to go, oh, how am I going to do it? He's going to show you. He'll show you what your gift, gifts are. And he says we can be bold in God's gifts because this is the same faith. I want you to get this. This is the same faith when he calls you to do anything in his kingdom, when he gifts you with anything. It's the same faith. It's the gift that he's given you right at the beginning. The measure of faith. The mustard seed of faith. It's not a different faith. Because it's faith in him. And he's given us, every one of us, at least a measure of faith. We don't have to muster it up. It's still the faith that he gave us when we first became saved. Faith to see him with spiritual eyes, faith in him. If God has any promise, any promise, any gift for you, move out in it. Don't hesitate. Move out in it through faith in God. Not faith in your own abilities. 
not thinking, oh, I've never done that before. Exactly, you don't need faith if you know how to do it. He's going to walk with you and carry you through it step by step, moment by moment. I used to be terrified to stand in front of people and talk. Terrified. I would probably, I would probably pass out. That's how terrified. I would, I would have to walk off. If he asks you to do something, he's going to give you the courage, the faith, the wherewithal. The Holy Spirit's going to work through you. If he asks you to do something, step out. Be excited for it. Be excited. Look at God, what adventure are you taking me on now? Let's go. Where are we going, God? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, let's go. Let's do it. Approach God knowing you can trust him knowing that he's going to help you through every one of those gifts. He will enable you to build up your faith. And along the way, as you walk with him, it will grow. It will strengthen. It will become easier. Bring glory to God. That's what he wants us to do. If you're walking in a gift of prophecy that he's given you, then I want you to prophesy. God wants you to prophesy. If he's made you a teacher, then teach. If he's made you a preacher, then preach. Walk in the gifts, all kinds of helps, administration, miracles, interpretation of tongues, wisdom, knowledge, okay? Discerning of spirits, and so, so, so many more. I didn't even get into offices he'll place you in. Even the gift of faith itself. Even the gift of faith itself. So let's mention that. The gift of faith in scripture, if you've ever tried to examine it, it's not really well explained in in the scriptures. So I'm just going to tell you what I believe. I believe that the gift of faith is extra extraordinary faith that God gives at any given moment to someone who needs it to accomplish the specific task he's given you. That's what I believe the gift of faith is. And I'm going to give you an example. An example is in Abraham's life. God had promised Abraham, right? We know this story. All of us know this, that he would establish an everlasting covenant through him with Isaac and Isaac's descendants. But then, many years go by, and God tells Isaac, Sacrifice the boy. I want you to sacrifice him. And if we read, if we go to the book of Hebrews, which I'm not going to do right now, but if we go there, we're going to see that that tells us in Hebrews and explains it a little bit to us that Abraham followed through. Now, there again, did that make any sense at all to Abraham, knowing what God had already promised him? Ah, but Abraham had been walking in faith and trusting God. Abraham, by walking, had seen God do many, many things already, right? Had answered him, had kept his promise, had kept his words. So in Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, it tells us that Abraham imagined as he's being obedient and following through and walking in the faith, he imagined, well, God said this, that Isaac is going to have descendants, so... You know, if if this has to happen and he tells me to sacrifice him, then he's just going to raise him from the dead. He'll have to. 
you. I believe he can do it. He can do anything. That's what was on Abraham's mind as he was following through. And to me, that was extraordinary faith because that was his child. That was his child. But he was following through, and of course we know that God stopped him. God didn't require it of him. And we know one thing that he didn't know. We know that this was a, a foreshadowing of what God was going to do through Jesus Christ, that he was going to sacrifice his son so that we might have that final blood sacrifice, so that we might be in right standing with God. That he was willing to go to that extreme. He wanted us to know early on what an extreme that was so we could question it. And we have the benefit that Abraham never had, at least while he walked in his flesh, to look back and see, to read in the book of Hebrews what was really going on. But Abraham didn't have that. He's like, well, God changed his mind, I guess. Okay, <laughs> you know, okay. And we're gonna, he provided a, a different, a ram in the bush. There you go. But he must, he, he, I don't know that he ever understood what God was really doing. And besides Abraham, there's many heroes of faith, and a lot of them are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. All at different times, each was given extraordinary faith. I believe extraordinary faith, the gift of faith. Even then, because God gave gifts then too. An extraordinary gift of faith that honored God and allowed them to be faithful. There's Noah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, David, Samuel, Rahab, Ruth, Deborah. By faith, by faith, active biblical faith in God, they believed God. They moved forward in faith, in faithful obedience. And that's just scratching the surface. There's so, so, so many more. And I know that there's people today who do the same thing. And I believe we could be a church of people who are more than capable and willing to do the same thing. How much more now should we live by faith in God? We have that whole cloud of witnesses. That's a cloud of witnesses that we've been given that have shown how Things work out for those who are willing to trust God and walk with him. God provides every single tool we need to do it. Praise you, Lord. He gives us every single tool that we need to grow us to be more like him, to grow us into his very likeness. And he gives us the ability to act on his promises. Each promise God keeps to you and to you and to you, it becomes a witness. Write down your requests. Journal your requests to God. And then when he answers your prayer, God answered this. This is what he did. He might not do it tomorrow. He might not do it next Tuesday. But he's going to do it. Write it down because it'll be a witness. When you get in those moments where, where you're like, what's going on, God? Where are you? You can go back. You can look. I was just reading my journals. I've been doing that a little bit lately, and I'm going to tell you so many things, and I'm writing in the margin. Oh, he did that. Oh, he did that because I wasn't keeping track. He's an 
amazing, awesome promise keeper. Amen. He's a promise keeper. Every believer's been given the privilege that the Israelites didn't have. That privilege through Jesus. And that's the privilege that we can bring our prayers, bring our requests, pour out our heart to God, and enter in to the very throne room of God in heaven. You know, they, they weren't able to do that. The high priest once a year in the earthly tabernacle, which is, we're told is just a shadow, just a copy, a replica of what already exists in heaven, the high priest could go in once a year. Our high priest is there. Jesus Christ is our high priest forever. Always right now making intercession on our behalf. He's there sitting at the right hand of the Father. And we are allowed to enter in, into that inner sanctuary, into his very presence, and make our requests known. Do we recognize the privilege that the righteousness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gave us? <clears throat> and he's also given us enough faith to enter. We don't have to be trembling in fear of God. We need to honor him in awe and reverence and obey him. And if we're doing that, we don't need to be afraid of him. But I'm sure if we actually saw him, <laughs> wow, if we actually saw him, wow, and one day we will. Because that's also the hope, the faith that we have, that he's given us. So enter in often. Enter into his presence often. Spend time with him. I know there's a few people here who have been spending a lot of time with him. Do it. Enter in often. That's what builds us up. That's what grows us. <laughs> That's where we receive everything we need. Everything we need. We're almost finished. In 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4, Peter says this. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. For we have received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and his excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruptions that's caused by human desires. It allows us to enter right into his divine nature. God's Precious promises he tells us are ours. He enables us to share his divine nature. According to Ephesians 2.10, you are his workmanship. You know this one right over here. Created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. 
walk out our faith. Like I said, he didn't give us faith. He didn't save us so we could sit around and just, oh, yeah, this is great. I'm saved. No, 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 no. Walk out. You are his workmanship, and he has prepared good works. Good works for each and every one of you. Good gifts. Good and holy gifts for you to walk in. Build one another up. Lift one another up. Be a good brother or sister in Christ. Encourage your brother. Encourage your sister. Get them out there walking in their calling. Encourage them. We're meant to do that. Walking grows our faith. Walking out what God's telling you to do, it's going to grow your faith. It's going to make you stronger in your, in your stance with God. And guess what? The times are very evil out there. We need to be paying attention to our relationship with God. And as we get closer to him, just walking with him, getting close to him, he's showing us these things, he's keeping his promises, and we're growing, and we're, and we're understanding how amazing he is and how faithful he is. In 2 Peter 1, 1, Peter began. He began by saying, to you who share the same precious faith we have. Did you ever notice that he said that there before? To you who share the same precious faith that we have. When he says that we have, who's he talking about? Talking about himself? Talking about the dis disciples, the apostles? Talking about all of those who are faithfully serving? To you who share the same precious faith. Don't look at them in scripture and say, wow, well, you know, no, he's saying we have the same faith, and it's a precious, precious faith. This includes us. We share the same faith. Ah, and it's precious. So strengthen your faith, as I said, by walking. Stir it up. Stir it up. And let's believe God, and let's tell the devil to take a hike the next time he comes and tries to tell you, ah, oh, you're not saved. Ah. Oh. God doesn't care about you. Oh, you're you're you've done things and he's not even paying attention to you. Look at him. Tell him, take a hike. Take a hike. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm saved by faith through grace, and I've received his righteousness. Take a hike. He's speaking to me. I'm walking with him, and I'm gonna keep walking with him. And until you are fully under my feet, I'm going to keep doing it. Don't listen to him. Amen. And if those thoughts are coming from yourself, oops, <laughs> smack yourself too. <laughs> tell yourself. Tell yourself to stop it. Tell yourself, knock it off, self. I have the promises of God. Believe God over every other voice, including your own. Believe him. Walk with him and see. See what he's going to do for you. See how he's going to love you. By faith, my God, I will do all things. For my God, he is faithful and true. And my faith is not in my own abilities. My faith is in him. I look at him for every one of my needs, every one of my wants, every step I take. 
with the banner going before me of who he is. King of kings and Lord of lords. And as we close out here, if anyone needs prayer, but I want to call Susan and Chris forward.